This is episode 246 for September 2013. And if you couldn't tell by the song, we're tackling spider satellites. Hey, Crawl Spacers, this is the special edition with Kevin and George. I don't know what else to call it, gang. Uh, <laughs> what are you going to do? Basically, what we're doing with this show, Kevin and George each have a segment. Kevin uh, recaps the Spider Satellites. George recaps us on the animated series, Ultimate Spider-Man. And Kevin's got a lot on his plate, so let's start with Kevin. You've got how many reviews of the satellite titles of Spider-Man today? Dear Holy Lord, uh, we have... <laughs> Is that a new title? <laughs> uh, no. We have 14 okay. reviews from me. And then, uh, you know, to the to the listeners, we're going to do something a little bit different. Uh, I'm tossing Superior Carnage over to Brad. So he's going to review the first yep. issue of that today. And that there's, makes there's a, there, Hang on, there's a Superior Carnage? Yeah. Yep. So Dr. Octopus is taking over Carnage now, too? No, no. just the adjective. Oh, that's that one of I think four books we now have that have superior in the title, and only two of them actually feature Ock. <laughs> and and Kev Kev just couldn't find it in himself to review Carnage. He he uh, he was like, "Damn, Brad, I got I got to draw the line somewhere." Well, this actually happened. Originally, I yeah. said um, I have to draw the line. I have to only get books I'm interested in. Uh, I can't spend all this money anymore. So, Brad, I'm going to give you Superior Carnage, Venom, and Superior Foes. And then, what do yeah. you know? I'm looking for a new title to review, and Brad's like, "You want Superior Foes?" And I go, "Damn it." So I'm now doing Superior Foes on the front page, so I'm reading it, so I might as well do it here. The next thing you know, Venom gets canceled as of issue number 42. So while I wasn't going to pick that up anymore, I've already invested 36 issues into this. I'm not going to skip the last six. So I caught up on that, so I'm back in that. The only one that I haven't had a reason to pick up is Superior Carnage. So Brad, keep yeah. on that one. I didn't, if, I, if I sell it to you, you may want to pick it up. Who knows? I didn't know that about Venom, but you know what? Uh, these days for uh, getting you know a, a new solo title, 42 issues, not bad. Yeah, that, it was the it was the longest running Marvel title at forty two issues. <laughs> I'm not kidding either. <laughs> Man, so what what issue are we starting with, Kevin? Hit, hit me up. I thought we'd take the worst crap first and go with oh. the two Morbius issues. <laughs> okay, okay, <laughs> nice. Um, so okay. We're starting off with Morbius number seven, which is part two of the uh, supposed Superior Spider-Man crossover, but not a crossover because it doesn't go in any other book. Um, right. What we've got here, Morbius failure to understand Morbius. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it, it's a failure to write well. Um, okay. Morbius gets a new costume. Spider-Man gets a Spider Sense neutralizer, and by the way, they got these things from each other, and they're just dressing each other. Um, they fail to beat Nicoletta Harrow, who is in now her second appearance, and the Rose sets off a quote-unquote bootleg ultimate nullifier, which you could also call a freaking bomb. It's the great value nullifier. My God <laughs> almighty. Um, <laughs> this gets a D minus. The whole uh, the whole thing's one big mess. I mean, from from Morbius and Spider Man just accepting pieces of technology from each other that they're just taking on faith. Like Spider Man's like, yeah, I'm just gonna put this piece of tech in my ear that's supposed to nullify 
my spider sense, and I'm going to trust this from the vampire over there. Meanwhile, Morbius is putting on this super padded armor suit, and like, yeah, I'm sure Spider-Man, who just last issue invented a device to take me down, didn't plant anything in here. It's going to be fine. <laughs> Good. And then yep. the promise of an ultimate nullifier, and all of a sudden they're using the word bootleg, and then something <laughs> that should be a thing that makes Galactus tremble in his boots is just something that's going to take a few blocks of Brownsville out. Like, I don't know, a bomb. <laughs> yeah. This is just, this is freaking awful. Nicoletta yep. Arrow, who debuted last issue as an annoying new person with huge hands, continues <laughs> to be an annoying new person with huge hands. And um, Does she have man hands like Gabriella Sabatini? Remember that tennis player? Yeah, but she had like colossal hands. What like, she like has is these two gigantic, I suppose they're supposed to be metal gauntlets, that's basically yeah. like if you had the foam finger except all the fingers are up. <laughs> what a visual. <laughs> I think Miley Cyrus had that on the, on the video music. Oh, video. that just had to make it into this podcast. <laughs> that probably herpes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't want to touch that thing. Uh, oh man! Ten minutes in, and we've already had two STD references. <laughs> oh my God! Counting it home. Wait, wait till the finale. <laughs> It'll be a happy ending. Yes. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, you get together BDGB and KC, and you get STD. <laughs> <laughs> Who's in the mood for KFC? <laughs> My cousin had that. It was horrible. Uh, it, was it finger licking good? I'm so sorry. It just falls off you. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Okay. Um, anyway, just so we can get through these awful ones quickly, I'm going to move on to Morbius number eight. Um, which is didn't that, hey, Kevin, hey, didn't that get canceled, by the way? I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but is it Hell, Morbius so yes. Okay. Um, Testify. That got canceled as of Morbius number nine, which means I only have one more to read. <laughs> Just to put it in perspective, I've got the numbers in front of me, Kevin. Morbius uh, number one debuted in the direct market, sold forty three thousand copies. Well, I've been I've been reading Kevin's reviews, and and I felt very bad um, because no. I, well, I mean this is I mean this is it. I mean this is I mean this is his Stegron. This is like me. This is like this is like me. You no, reading, no. This is like me reading a series where Stegron is making a living as a slash fic writer. You know. It's, <laughs> <laughs> so Kevin, I, I've read your reviews, and I'm so, I'm so sorry that this thing just wasn't wasn't what you were hoping for. And I, I think you're right, man. I, I was listening to some podcasts a while back, and I don't mean to get off on a tangent or waste time here. But um, you know, we're talking about give us something more like Midnight Suns, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and and by God, that's so right. And I'm sorry you didn't get that with with Morbius this time. Well, around. thank you, and thank you for reading um, my reviews anyway. Thank you for not contributing money to this book. But and Brad, okay, so what is the newest number? We started out with forty three thousand on issue one. What's the latest number? Forty forty three thousand in the direct market. By the time we hit the number the issue number seven that you just reviewed, it's down to twelve thousand four hundred eighty five copies sold. Twelve thousand, and that's with the hyped issue with the Superior Spider Man on the cover. Yes, yes, no doubt. So what I see from that is there are 43,000 people who at the beginning were willing to give Morbius a chance, and over 30,000 of them said, screw this guy, I'm out. And that's 30,000 people who would have given it a chance who will probably not ever pick up a Morbius series again. Well, the thing is the retailers have to order three months in advance, so even they were blind 
it had dropped their sales, cut it by half. And the bad word of mouth just kept dropping it each month, mm. in my opinion. Mm. So, anyway. All right, we're off to number eight now. Yeah. Huh? Does it get better? Um, so, no. Uh, <laughs> what you talking about? Um, Willis? Basically, that six and seven was supposed to be a two-part story, uh, and then eight and nine is supposed to be a two-part story. But that one, obviously, as you see, didn't end. So, in this one, Morbius has a short and useless fight with Nicoletta Harrow before she leaves, and he's left in this little friggin' theater in Brownsville. And then Morbius somehow convinces every citizen in Brownsville to go hide in his underground monster city so they're safe from the rose. There is literally <laughs> no old lady in this town that doesn't want to leave her home. Everybody's just totally cool with heading down to the sewer and chilling with Manphibian. <laughs> <laughs> hovering or something, and I guess he's got a hovercraft around Brownsville. And by the time he's setting off his evil plan, he doesn't realize the citizens are gone. Which means there was no hitch in the plan of sending an entire town into, I kid you not, Monster City Underground. (laughs) It is the first time any of these people have been mentioned in this series after Morbius talked about having nowhere to go for seven issues, and now he's sending a whole town down to Monster City. Thank you, writers. It's almost like he said, you know what, we're going to get canceled next month, get your ass down here. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> then, uh, Morbius has gotten everybody out of harm's way, he makes yeah. a battle, and in the end of the comic, he gets bootleg ultimate nullified. <sighs> so, uh, this gets an F. Yeah, there's there's nothing good to talk about here except that the book only has one issue left, and um, how it's made it this far is way 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 beyond the Morbius fan you're talking to. I'm <laughs> I've never met a bigger one than you. I haven't either. I'm not going to say I'm the biggest one out there. There's always somebody bigger, somebody that knows more. But I think I, as a small character like this goes, uh, yeah. that kind of character doesn't get a lot bigger of a fan than me. Um, so for me to be this incredulous and this excited for it to end is pretty sad. And I'm not sure what Marvel's trying to tell me by dropping the final issue just two days away from my birthday. Um, I'm not you're sure about the, if it's... You're about to Brownsville your pants. <laughs> it's either <laughs> happy birthday, this crap is over, or it's we really hate you, so we're going to make you read and review an issue of this bullshit two days away from your birthday. Happy birthday, Ken. <laughs> I don't know which one that is. But uh, either wow. way, as you can tell, uh, I'm really excited to only have one issue left. So just to recap, we have one D, one F, right? Uh, a D minus and an F. Oh, sorry. D minus, yes. Okay. Um, so, hey, let's move on to some good stuff. What do you say? All right. Oh. Let's cleanse the palate. Let's get oh, away from the lopsided, uh, the lopsided bra size. Um, Actually, I should clarify, since George will be reviewing the Ultimate Spider-Man cartoon later, this is Ultimate Comics Uh Spider-Man. Completely different animal. Um, (laughs) As you guys uh, probably remember, we're in the Spider-Man No More arc, which I've been really, really pleased with so far. And in this one, everybody seems upset at Miles for not wanting to be Spider-Man anymore, but... 
is Ultimate Spider-Woman that actually makes a convincing argument. She finally tells Miles what she is, uh, which is a sort of clone of Peter Parker, and all about rocks and hurting people by trying to replicate the things that happen to people like them, like Miles with the spider and, uh, you know, her with the cloning. Um, so Miles finally gets on board. And the issue ends with Spider-Man and Spider-Woman swinging away together. Just, you know, awesome hero moment drawn really well mm-hmm. by David Marquez, who, I've said it before and I'll say it again, was born to draw this title. Uh, this one gets an A+. We are literally going from an F right to an A+. <laughs> nice. And I couldn't be happier. It's, it's yet another in an increasing series of issues of this comic book that just knock it way the hell out of the park. I concur. The book is very, very strong, and I'm, I, I, I have a bit of a fear though with Galactus. So. How's it doing? Oh, yeah. sale, how's it doing sales wise these days? Oh, I knew you'd ask me that. <laughs> let me let me pull this up. Uh, talk amongst yourselves. Yeah, well, is it, it. Isn't this the only Ultimate title left now? No, they, no, you got uh, X Men and Ultimates. I thought all the, I thought they all got killed uh, by killed off by Loeb or whatever. No, no, no. Uh, the Basically, uh, Loeb did Ultimatum, which yeah. was a, re- a soft reboot. It was just numbering reboot. So that canceled all the titles, but then they relaunched uh, Ultimate Spider-Man at number one. They relaunched um, Ultimates, I think. Yeah, because they had that ridiculous title. That ridiculously yeah. long Ultimates... Ultimate, ultimate Comics, Ultimates. Ultimates, Ultimate, ultimate, ultimate versus. versus... Ultimate freaking Avengers and 2. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I think that was pre-Ultimatum, though, wasn't it? Or was it after? Uh, after. Yeah, after. yeah, yeah, because that led into the death of Spider-Man. Um, but uh, yeah. I've got, they, I've got the numbers, though, if you want to hear them. Uh, yeah. Ultimate Spider-Man, uh, Ultimate Comics Spider-Man, number 25, sold 33,271 copies to the direct market. In the last year, sales are down about 20%. Hmm. Uh, this, this time last year, um, the book was selling 42000 as opposed to 33000 this year. Yeah, it's well, not looking good what, for the I, uh, I know the threat of Galactus is looming. Um, I would be perfectly happy if they killed off all the Ultimates <laughs> and all the Ultimate X-Men and just left Ultimate Spider-Man running as the sole Ultimate title. I'm, I'm cool with that. I'm thinking they're going to bring him over to the regular universe and he's going to be like the, the lone survivor. Yeah, we've talked about that on the podcast a lot lately. I mean, I was actually just listening uh, recently to the two episodes that Brad released of the uh, the live callers that I wasn't on, and there was there was talk about that just then too. And and I agree with what everybody said. It would uh, pull Miles way too far away from the yeah. from what makes him an interesting character. He goes from being you know this this regular kid who's trying to live up to being Spider Man in a world where Spider Man died heroically with his mask off as a kid. Uh, to being this <laughs> this dimension hopping guy that nobody really knows, and the other Spider Man, and I right, and, I don't and know then he would works. go, then he would go to a uh, to a uh, ultimate you know, regular ultimate or a regular Marvel universe, a six one six, where you know not only is Spider Man dead, but before he died, he was an immature douche. Yeah, I um, <laughs> I don't know. What they actually will do, uh, but what would be interesting, and they did say Cataclysm, you know, number two, I think. Miles is heading for the Marvel Universe. It's just a matter of if he's going to stop in or stay. Um, 
but whichever one it is, I would love to see Scarlet Spider, Venom, Miles Morales, and Spider-Man 2099 team up to <laughs> kick Dr. Octopus's ass. Well, it helps you. You know, it makes sense, though. If, if uh, d- didn't, uh, didn't I read recently where, um, oh, God, the book, with, uh, the book with Kane's getting canceled? Uh, that's not definite. There's just speculation. <laughs> that. Okay, so so that may or may not get canceled. Yeah, um, I think though. I mean, as much as I don't want it to be canceled, it is. Uh, it is really obvious <laughs> with Morbius getting canceled and Venom getting canceled. Scarlet Spider is the only Spider-Man family title left without the word "superior" in front of it. You know, I still, I still. That's that's my feeling though. Is that this kid's going to be the only thing that survives the Ultimate Universe? It's possible. Um, and then he wears the black suit. Well, his suit's already white. black. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <clears throat> he can keep his suit. I like his suit. Yeah, his suit's right now. No, I mean uh, like the the black and you know the classic black and white. I, I'm saying that's what he goes to. I think I'd rather him keep his own costume. It's more unique, and it's uh, yeah. Um, anyway, though, that's, that's a lot that of was possibilities. Scar- <laughs> <laughs> That was ultimate. One more ultimate. Yes. Um, ultimate hit okay. Twenty six. Yep. Um, in this one, we learn the origin of Bombshell, which is quite similar to the origin of Cloak and Dagger, which we recently found out. Which is um, that Roxanne pretty much screwed with somebody, um, but in this case, it was her mother while she was pregnant <clears throat> with Bombshell. Um, Roxon is freaking out because Cloak and Dagger clearly have found the list, which seems to be, I think, a list of people that uh, Roxon has created, like them and Bombshell and others. Um, because they're and that's why they're tracking down Bombshell because they think that she has something to do with it. So Spider Man and Spider Woman find Bombshell, and after a brief fight, because you know heroes meeting, gotta have a fight, they convince her that they actually do want to help. But then all three are taken by surprise by Roxanne's new mercenary, who is the brand new Ultimate Taskmaster. Mm. Um, this one gets an A. I mean, you know, it's another really great issue. Bendis and Marquez, without a doubt, the perfect team for this book. And, um, yeah, it's <laughs> I was getting really worried as I read this issue, and I thought of all the rumors about the Ultimate Universe ending, because this is just too good, and this story doesn't work in another universe. I'm trying to I, I, to think who Bombshell is, and I just looked her up a little bit. She uh, first appeared in the Hawkeye miniseries back in 1983, and she's been in the Web of Spider-Man Annual number eight. Okay, you may remember though that we're in the Ultimate Universe, so this ain't her. No, I know. I'm just seeing what her 616 equivalent is. Yeah, I don't think there's a lot of uh, similarity. Yeah. This girl is uh, a young teenager. She yeah. appeared, up until the Spider-Man No More arc, she had not been in the Miles Morales volume. She was introduced uh, as a supervillain team with her mother, who were very foul-mouthed in the uh, the first <laughs> reboot. When That's right. Yeah, yeah okay. When uh, you had David LaFuente on the title, and you had sort of football head Peter... And they had renumbered it for the first time. Um, <laughs> Football head, Charlie Brown head, Peter, I yeah. remember that. But now yeah. this is uh, a couple years later, because she references that uh, she hasn't fought with her mom since she was uh, 15. So I guess now she's probably about 17 or something. And she seems to actually right. not want to be a villain anymore. Um, also, she doesn't cuss anymore, which is interesting. I guess she's grown up a little bit. Mm, wearing um, a patch. Yeah. 
But it's, yeah, just a very good book and making me care about people that I never thought I would. Like, I still to this day don't really give two craps about Cloak and Dagger in the Marvel Universe, but I'm loving Ultimate Cloak and Dagger. I love I love Cloak and Dagger. I'm a big Cloak and Dagger fan. But Brad and I yep. both can remember, you know, yep. a, a really good golden period with them. So Yeah, to be fair, I never really yep. read the original stuff with Cloak and Dagger. I know a lot oh. of people that kind of came up with them like you guys uh, have a lot of fondness for them. I just don't have that perspective. <laughs> That, what, uh, there was the early 80s, and Bill Mantlo created them in, in spec, and that was, uh, I think, Peter Parker 64. And, uh, and then they had the limited series, and then they had an ongoing, and both were very good. Mm-hmm. They were very, both, very I, good. I, there is a big difference, though, with uh, at the time that was like, you know, druggy street kids and whatnot, versus this is an interracial couple who were valedictorians and class presidents and got screwed with. Yeah, it's a different origin in the Ultimate yeah, Universe. Yeah, significantly different. Uh, <clears throat> yeah. All right, we we we've gone to the end and to the top. Are we going somewhere in the middle with the next ones? <laughs> um, actually, we're going to stay on top. All right. Wow. Um, and it's the last book I would have expected to give good grades to. So I think you know what we're coming to. Um, yes. It is the one I turned you on to. Yep. It is Superior Foes of Spider-Man. It's a very good book, surprisingly. Yeah, a book that I was not going to read and had absolutely no interest in for, you know, valid reasons. Who gives a crap about these characters? Exactly. Um, (laughs) But it turns out you should. Who's so, who's who are the superior foes? What who, um, what villains make up the foes, team? Foes um, are the new quote unquote Sinister Six who were introduced in Superior Spider-Man number one, uh, which is made up of Boomerang, Shocker, Speed Demon, the Beetle, and Overdrive. And yes, all, that is just all five. D and C list vi- villains. <laughs> so, the, so the Beetle's not a good guy anymore. Uh, th- this is a new female Beetle that was introduced in Brubaker's Captain America. Oh, okay. The the original yeah. Beetle is now Mach Seven, right? Still a good guy. And okay. Thunderbolts. He's still yeah. one of the Thunderbolts. Yeah, okay. uh, yeah, and we'll actually get to him at the end of the next issue review. Okay. Um, but yeah, Shocker is of course original Shocker. Boomerang's original Boomerang. Speed Demon's an original '60s creation. Uh, but Beetle and Overdrive are both 21st century creations. And uh, this is yeah, five people calling themselves the Sinister Six. There was a sixth member in Superior Number One who got taken out. Uh, and they just haven't replaced him. <laughs> uh, so this one we've got Boomerang, uh, who is the leader of the current Sinister Six. Uh, he is the narrator of this book. He basically cons the rest of his team uh, into pulling a robbery to bail him out of prison. He's leading them on with a story about a big job they're going to pull, but uh, it turns out in secret they are all working for the Chameleon for free because Boomerang owns or owes Chameleon for some reason. Um, there, was a, there was a fun scene with uh, Hammerhead in this issue yeah. with Shocker and Speed Demon that turned out later to have been Chameleon, so they're, they're playing with things pretty well. Um, <clears throat> I give this issue an A. Believe it or not, it might not sound like much, but it was just a really, really fun issue. Uh, it had a great voice in the narration by Boomerang, and it just it struck the right tone to be a really entertaining comic. Remember when it was first announced, we were all like, holy hell, how they got, they're milking it yeah, now. We were literally saying, like, who is going to read this type of sucker? And then, yeah, <laughs> and, it's, uh, and it's us, and we love it. I can't, I can't believe it. Yeah, I'm really glad that you asked me to, uh, to review it for the front page, because, yeah. A, it's getting good reviews, you know. I'm not sure yeah, exactly. Of, I know some people are really, really hating on it because, uh, because of the portrayal of Shocker. 
Why, um, why is that? Why? What's wrong with that? Um, well, there, there's a part in the beginning. As I said, Boomerang narrates the issue. Yeah. And Boomerang kind of goes through who each member of the team is, like you know what they are to the team. And yeah. uh, when you see Shocker, uh, the narration says, "And each team needs a coward." Oh God. So basically, people are thinking that uh, you know this is Nick Spencer's characterization of, sh- characterization of Shocker, but it's really misreading it to think that Nick Spencer said Shocker is a coward. Boomerang said Shocker is a coward. There's a you know huge what, difference. You know what someone needs to do with Shocker? Someone needs to come around and do to Shocker what Jeff Johns did to Captain Cold. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah, and Shocker. I think there's one valid way to go with it, and somebody can still come along and do that, but I don't think that discounts we're going this way right now. You know, we do, This doesn't need to be the shocker for all time. This is not the way you would portray the shocker if he was coming in as a villain in Spider-Man. But for this particular comic, in this particular moment in time, I think it works just fine. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. I, I'm not. I wasn't overly offended by the characterization, but uh, maybe because I, the book's so much damn fun, and I've got the numbers in front of me for this one. It debuted pretty damn good. Yeah, sixty sixty one thousand hmm. people tried it. That is it was the twenty twenty fourth most sold book for the month of whatever this is, uh, July twenty thirteen. So yeah, yeah it, it's off to a good start, which is which is will be interesting to see over time because Morbius started what twenty thousand less and declined with <laughs> bad word of mouth. This one, at least from our site, is getting good word of mouth. I like it. You like it. Several other people have liked it. Yeah, I mean, so. when you can get uh, kind of a quirky book to mm-hmm. bring uh, Kevin and Brad together <laughs> on both likes, exactly. That's pretty good. <laughs> no doubt. True, true. Um, we got so, one more issue, yeah, don't let's we? Let's move on to issue this two. And this one, uh, Chameleon poses as the Punisher, which I, I can only imagine the Punisher would shoot him in the face for if he found out. Uh, <laughs> and he crashes into the Sinister Six's current job, which is pulling heist on a on a fancy restaurant, which they're eating at. Um, what the because hell? Chameleon wants to get a private audience with Boomerang, basically. So as soon as the Punisher crashes through the window, the rest of them run away, and they get a private audience. Um, He wants to know what's going on with the job that's supposed to be getting done for him. That job is stealing the head of Silvio Silvermane. Uh, (laughs) And when uh, when Boomerang gets back to the Sinister Six, of course, he apparently just survived the Punisher. So it doesn't matter that they all thought that there's some story about the head of Silvio Silvermane among mob people, apparently, like it gives you ultimate power or something like that. And they all thought this was a myth. Uh, It sounds like a ridiculous plan. Um, But, you know, this guy just came out of the Punisher unscathed, so they are following him. Right. (laughs) It's kind of a brilliant plan. So, yeah, yeah, they're going to do that. But then in the end, Boomerang has to go to a parole hearing, and he is assigned the aforementioned Mach 7 as his new parole officer. Mm. The original original Beetle. Yeah, Yeah. the original Beetle and Boomerang himself's former partner. Wow. So that'll (laughs) that'll gum up his works a little bit. Uh, George... George, are you getting a little interest in this book? It sounds, I mean, it sounds interesting. I, what, what, yeah. it, what it does is it shows that there is a market for Spider-Man villains um, to be handled correctly. Yeah. I mean, you can do a lot with Spider-Man villains. You don't even need Spider-Man around for it. Yeah. And, but, it, you know, it depends on, on the vehicle that you're going to put them in. It depends on a lot on the story. I've always said, um, you know, because you can compare... 
I think I, I think it's more comparable to look at Flash's villains and Spider-Man villains than it is to say to look at Spider-Man's villains and say Batman's villains. Um, because you know you got a lot more variety in what they can do, you know, and 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 mm-hmm. so forth. And and back when Flash, back when Jeff Johns was totally re, you know revamping Flash, like around you know in the early two thousands, uh, suddenly there was all this interest in Flash villains. You know, so I think you could have the same kind of kind of resurgence. The problem is, is that outside of those little titles like this one, outside of that, you've got people mishandling them. You know, you've got people mishandling the Hobgoblin in the main book. You've got people taking Green Goblin, taking Spider-Man's worst enemy and and completely removing him from Spider-Man. Almost, I don't want to say completely removing him, but, you know, making him a global villain now instead of just Spider-Man's villain. Right, but I, what, I, what, I I think this shows though that there's there's more interest in there for for Spider-Man's classic villains and and maybe we should oh I don't know do more with that. <laughs> we we might get George to buy this one. Well, let's, let's not get crazy. <laughs> I'm out of, I still I still haven't found a job yet. Those, what is this? What are these like eight nine dollars a piece? I mean you know. Actually, this is a cheap <clears> one. This is two ninety nine. Get the hell out of here! There's still it comic books yeah. up there for under three dollars. Yeah, wow. yeah, that was uh, part of the reason why I agreed to it, and <laughs> part of the reason why I'm sticking <laughs> with it. Yeah, wow. Uh, and I really applaud that because, especially you know, tagging the superior on the front of this, this could uh, easily have been something that they decided to go three ninety nine with. But I think they're going to do a lot better getting and keeping oh, readers yeah. at two ninety nine. So I'm really glad they did that. I agree. And it's it's honestly it's a book that deserves readers. Did you give a grade to this one? Uh, no, haven't gotten past that yet. Um, okay. I'm giving this one a B plus. Uh, it okay. keeps up the solid, lighthearted storytelling. Um, it's it, again, it's fun like last time. Uh, one thing that uh, gets me though is I understand from a dramatic storytelling point why you assign Boomerang's former partner as his parole officer, but from a judicial standpoint, you've got this new. Uh, <laughs> this new program, apparently, of having superpowered parole officers for superpowered parolees. I'm guessing that's what it is, because they just say, we've got a new program, and then they bring him out. So it's it's fair to right. guess. Kevin, just be, glad like... that she, just be glad that She-Hulk's not his lawyer and that they're doing it. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, just in general, I feel like if I was in the justice system, I would say, yeah, we trust this Mach, 5, this Mach 7 guy, but he did used to be a villain, and he was this guy's partner. Maybe we should get somebody else to be his parole officer, just not to not take the risk. Hmm. Right. You know, it seems like a bit of a logical leap. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it it doesn't really bother me. It's just that I had that that bit of a hitch when I read it and was like, eh. "This is this is the same universe that uh, this is the same universe that that makes uh, Norman Osborn head of Shield." Yeah. After, true. A, a, after having a history <laughs> where he dresses up in a green mask and kills blonde teenagers. So let's right. just say that the government is oddly trusting in the Marvel Universe. <laughs> um, <laughs> true. I blame uh, Obama. And the other, the other thing that I, I didn't have a problem with in this issue because it was fun, but we have had two issues in a row now where we thought we had a guest star, Hammerhead and the Punisher, and it's turned out to be the Chameleon. So if we, if we keep this up, that might start to get a little bit ridiculous. <laughs> I'm not going to discount for it yet because it's only two times, but I, I could worry about a pattern there. Right. Well, he's all, the, the chameleon's only got one shtick. You know, I mean, yeah. what else are you going to do? Yeah, and I'll tell you another thing about this book, though, that's uh, giving people a bit of a problem, is that so far it is impossible to figure out where the continuity of this book fits in with 
the other books right now, I don't really care. Um, yeah. I assume that's going to work me itself out. But the, yeah, the fact that the chameleon uh, was in jail in an avenging arc last month and he's over here now, I, I don't give too much of a crap. I mean, the chameleon <laughs> is in and out. It's a supervillain in a, a comic book universe. Whatever. Yeah. You know, uh, I, I've got a Spider-Man confession. I've never liked the chameleon. Uh, I think it depends on the story. I think it's really easy to get really lazy with the chameleon, um, and that's what happens often. Um, but I think this is a really interesting way to use him, um, because if, as a Spider-Man villain, uh, when he's fighting Spider-Man, he's not that scary, you know? Um, he, he was mostly a guy that puts on masks. But when you're talking about this particular Sinister Six of B to D listers, this is the chameleon. <laughs> He's more yeah. of an A-list Spider-Man villain, so to them, he is freaking scary, especially when he's you know c- appearing as the Punisher and stuff. So I think this is this is a really good way to use him. So since we're doing midnight confessions here about classic Spider-Man villains, George doesn't like the chameleon. Kevin, I know you don't like the lizard. Dear God, no. Uh, if I had to name one of the classic Ditko villains that I don't really care for, and you guys are going to scoff, Mysterio. I've never really cared for Mysterio. Mysterio can be really good or really bad. Well, yeah, I think he's more of the latter. <laughs> but I mean, I, I, I mean, I, I, I don't hate him. I don't, but I'm just like, eh. He's I'm got indifferent. I guess he's got one gag, or he's got one thing. You know, he's got like one shtick. But, yeah. but that one shtick can get old real quick. Yeah, you know, but I mean, like yeah. with the with the chameleon, he's his best when he's somebody else. I mean, when he's himself, all he does is get drugged by Aunt May, or <laughs> or beaten with a baseball bat by Mary Jane. Yeah, it didn't, didn't that happen one time? Didn't she go after him with a baseball bat or something? Pretty yeah. Good, yeah, yeah. Well, I, it was um, it was a web spinners by Joe Kelly, I think. So 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 when he's himself. Yeah, his track record's not so good. But when he's, you know, but when he's being some, well, I don't know. Actually, I think he was trying to be Peter then, wasn't he? I, I forget what that story was about. But I know I do, Aunt I, I May saw it. through when he was trying to be Peter. Was it when Mary Jane uh, beat him up? Was he also trying to be Peter at that time? I think so. I think so. I think so. Yeah. so now you have two women in his life that are like, uh, oh God, that's that's not Peter. This guy who spends his life pretending to be other people, is clearly not Peter Parker. But that Otto Octavius talking about <laughs> minions and dear sweet woman, that's definitely Peter Parker. The, the yeah. way I, you know, I just, I, I wish there could have been a scene sometime where, you know, like, like back when Aunt May knew, you know, back before everything got screwed up. Uh, you know, Spider-Man could have said something like, oh, you know, it's the chameleon doing something like this. And then, you know, in the background, Aunt May says, oh, that's not scary. I've beaten him. <laughs> yeah, or something. That would be nice. That would have been awesome. Yeah, <laughs> I, whooped, I whooped that ass. Yeah, Hell, I took him down. I took him down with cookies. Yeah. <laughs> I got beat Galactus with Twinkies, and I took down Chameleon with cookies. Oh my gosh! By the way, Kevin, did you did you hear on the recent podcast the uh, the guy uh, from Australia? I think that uh, talked about Morbius getting eaten by sharks. Did you hear what he t- talked about? Yes. <laughs> Refresh me. They're and, different colors. A lot of and, hilarious. Aunt, Aunt May in a in a 19, in that nineteen eighty one Spider Man solo cartoon. Oh yeah, tried to poison Spider Man with a poison cake. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I'm like, are you kidding me? I missed that episode. Anyway, Aunt May Aunt May whoops some ass yeah. and also gets a lot of it. By the way, oh. <laughs> uh. 
<laughs> anyway, sure. go ahead, Kev. Oh, what, what else? We, we got more titles to tackle. Yeah, 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 we do. Uh, <laughs> back, on, back on track, boys. <laughs> um, so this is the first of three issues of Scarlet Spider released this month, or two months, or however long it's been. It's been a while. Um, Scarlet Spider number 19. This is... Uh, the end of the Wrath arc, which was a team-up with Wolverine against the Assassin Guild, uh, which if you have been listening to the podcast, you might know I've been very much enjoying this arc. And this is where the arc lands with a thud. Oh. Um, the Red Death... He still kicked the X-Men's ass and killed Wolverine, George. Yeah. yeah. What is it, a day ending in Y? <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm sad, Kevin. It ends in a thud. Two parts of this uh of this thing were really good, and here's what we get in this issue. Um, so you remember how everybody, was, including the Assassin's Guild, Belladonna, was terrified of this person called the Red Death? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> out, the Red Death is somebody named Kandra, who is a dead 1990s minor X-Men villain. Yeah, exactly. Uh, (laughs) But it turns out she's an immortal, so why everybody thought she was dead, I'm not sure. Um, This is a girl who, I looked her up, she basically appeared in like two Gambit miniseries. Oh no. Um, And now she's the Red Death that makes Belladonna pee her pants. Where the hell's hell's Deadpool when you need him? I know. So, Kane and Wolverine and most of the Assassin's Guild have to team up to take out Kandra, the Red Death. Uh, I'm looking it up. Kandra first appeared Gambit number one, December 1993. She was created by Howard Mackey. Uh-huh. <laughs> but you know what? With the, uh, the Mackey stuff I've read, he probably did better stuff with her than this. Um, oh, so yeah, they take her out, and it was some sort of weird thing where uh, she's all powerful and whatnot. She's stealing life from the Assassin's Guild, but then Kane gets the drop on her because why? Because she's still mortal enough to be afraid of spiders, and a spider oh. drops in front of her face, and she friggin' screams. The immortal person oh, that, is scared of spiders. It that, may that as well like say that. the narration in this may as well say because she's a girl. Oh, it, that's it is, mean. It is just so bad. They can't get cooties, too? They can't get cooties? Yeah. <laughs> so they take her out. Um, the, mark of, the mark of cooties. <laughs> and then the Assassin's Guild, though, being a bunch of douches, turns on... <laughs> <laughs> um, I miss you, Kevin. I miss you so much. And George is rolling you up and smoking you, Kev. I mean... <laughs> You know, right back at you, George. I did listen to uh, your first Ultimate Spider-Man review episode, by the way, and it cracked me up like a mental patient on the way to work. Um, So, anyway, this all ends in, um, well, if you were not wanting an anticlimax, this ain't the book for you. That sucks. Uh, The Kingpin's Arranger shows up. What's what's that? Um, He's a guy called the Arranger who works for... (laughs) He's like like the Kingpin's Alfred. Oh, okay, got it. Yeah, he's like, he's he's going around to other cities to set up stuff for Wilson Fisk, uh, because Wilson Fisk's too fat to fly. (laughs) (laughs) I want to list now things the Kingpin's too fat for. (laughs) Can't play tennis, can't fly. (laughs) So basically, the arranger shows up. 
and uh, tells the Assassin's Guild to uh, basically sit down and go fetch because they belong to the Kingpin now uh, because of some deal that Kane made with Fisk that uh, he was going to soften up the Assassin's Guild to make it easier for Fisk to acquire. And it's all rather muddy about how Fisk then did acquire it in the past five seconds. But he did. Yeah, um, what, do you, what do you buy shares in the Assassin's Guild? How does that work? It's basically, he shows, he shows up and says, yeah, you belong to the Kingpin now. Walk away. Um, and because the Assassin's Guild is kind of screwed at this moment, they're like, yeah, fair enough. Um... Wolverine is, of course, not amused by the whole uh, he's been duped by Kane thing, because Kane made this deal before he ever went after the Assassin's Guild. And that's kind of how that piece of crap ends. Oh, that's, that's sad. Yeah, th- this book is generally solid. Yeah, this book is really solid lately, it seems, except um, it cannot survive in a crossover or end an arc. No, yeah. Like, the... Yeah. Uh, the um, what's it? Men of Carnage. So, so oh, Grant yeah. Morrison's writing it. Awful. <laughs> uh, but the other storyline they did uh, recently, I you remember, I really loved the first two parts of that, and the ending sucked. Yeah, <laughs> it is still the worst non-crossover issue of this title. Mm. Um, which you know, give me two more issues on this very podcast. <laughs> oh, we're gonna get to another crossover, buddy. Good lord. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, this one gets a C. <clears throat> Um, for all the reasons we just talked about, this is also, by the way, the first time that Yost has had a co-writer on this book. Mm. For the first 18 issues, it was all Chris Yost. Now it is Chris Yost and Eric Burnham. And Mr. Burnham has not left since. Every issue now, the past three issues, has been co-written by him. And for the first time, uh, with this month's solicitations, uh, it is actually credited that way in the solicit for number 24, Chris Yost and Eric Burnham. Mm. So I'm assuming he's sticking around. Uh, My guess is because Yost is busy with his Marvel Studios work. Um, I don't know how they're doing this. I don't know if it's uh, a more traditional co-writing thing or if it's like uh, Slot and Gage have been doing, where Slot does the plot, gives it to the artist, and then Gage dialogues it, Um, which just sounds like an awful bit of work to me. But either way... I don't want to put it all on Eric Burnham because I don't really know the guy's work, and frankly, I looked him up and he doesn't have much prior work. Uh, but it does kind of stick out that this thing is starting to go down the tubes now. That makes me wonder mm. if it hasn't been canceled unofficially and we it just hadn't been announced yet. Uh, sadly, me too. That The fact that we've got yeah. co-writers sticking around for several issues, yeah, that would make sense if it's the last several issues. Yeah. Uh, I've um, I've got numbers if you want to hear them. Uh, for 19, uh, this sold 22,000 copies, uh, and over the past year, it's down 22%. This time last year, it was selling 29,000 copies for issue number seven. And what was the what was the current issue? And uh, Scarlet 19 sold 22,499 copies. This is uh, like me; they would not have liked 19. Yeah, my my source for this is comicsbeat.com. They do a great monthly um, month-to-month sales. That's uh, Pat, o- Pat O'Brien, right, or something? <laughs> From Texas, Hollywood. No, uh, <laughs> no, I think that's the guy's no. name. No, I, uh, Heidi McDonald is the okay. one. Oh, oh, uh, never mind, never mind. She posted it. He wrote it. Yeah. Paul O'Brien. Paul O'Brien, Paul I'm o- sorry. Paul O'Brien, no, Not the yeah. dirty talking CBS guy. I'm sorry, go ahead. Right, right, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. <laughs> or you say, Kevin? <laughs> yeah. Um, 
but I would be interested to know what uh, Scarlet Spider number 20's numbers are once those come out, because I wonder if that got a bump from the Superior Spider-Man team-up crossover. Yeah, I don't have that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we'll see. Um, if, they, if it got a bump from that, it's probably one that was lost quickly, because damn! Are they, doing um, like, are they doing like five, six variant uh, covers on these things? Actually, um, the Superior team-up and Scarlet Spider issues uh, of the crossover had zero variants, one cover apiece. I'm surprised they're not putting variant covers on everything now to try to bump the numbers. You know, it seems like they were doing more variant covers uh, the past several months and then like the past maybe two months, at least the books I've been reviewing, all of a sudden, no variants at all. Huh. Um, Except for Superior Foes. uh, Of course, they launch every book. Every new number one has several variants. Um, And it looks like they're carrying for the first couple issues... Um, they're doing a villain variant for each issue where it looks like one of the uh, villains is getting a spotlight. First one was Boomerang, second one was Overdrive. Mm. But still, you know, that's a little bit more standard. Mm. Anyway, um, let's move on to the launch of Superior Spider-Man Team-Up number one. This is the new title, but same team and concept from Avenging Spider-Man, which is now gone. Um, So in this one, first issue, Ock... Otto, I refuse to call him the other thing that everybody's calling him from Star Trek, because it's a Star Trek character. Why are they uh, calling him, Kevin? You know it. What are, are they calling him, Kevin? Nothing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Dance for me, monkey. Attacking <laughs> heroes all over New York at the beginning of this issue. So, of course, uh, the Avengers, not too happy about it. So they mount up to stop him. Turns out, Otto was actually attacking a sentient carrion virus uh, that had been jumping from hero to hero, host to host. Uh, so that those were the heroes he was attacking and why. Uh, but when this carrion virus sees Hyperion of the current Avengers, uh, it pretty much does a happy dance and flies right in. Uh, so if, you, if you're not familiar with Hyperion, he is literally a Superman analog from, you know, long time ago, Squadron Supreme, gone through... Five or six different versions now. This is a version that is brand new for the current Avengers volume. Um, But still, same concept. So he's basically Superman. So all the Avengers have to team up to go after him, but it's an idea of Otto's that finally takes him down, and thus Captain America trusts him again and lifts his probation from the Avengers, which nobody was paying attention to anyway. Um, Literally, even Otto in the issue says, oh, you were serious about that? Um... (laughs) Because, I don't know, if you've been reading Avengers, he's still been there. <laughs> yeah. There was Just briefly, too, Spider-Man has such a minute role in the Avengers title. And, and none of Earth's mightiest heroes ever ever think, oh, you know what? Our, our, our old pal Spidey's acting completely different. Maybe something's up. A, a yeah, team that, where that. Hank Pym, <laughs> you know, <laughs> went through what he went through. And nobody bats an eye when Spider-Man does a complete personality change. Yeah, I, I maintain the same thing we were all saying about his uh, yeah. test that none of the smart Avengers showed up to. Right. Yep. Good lord. The s- um, <laughs> so, yeah, anyway, on the final page, uh, Carrion returns to the Jackal and a Miles Warren clone who are surrounded by a bunch of gestating clones. Uh, uh, yeah. This is a B-plus, though. I mostly really enjoyed the issue. I thought it was much better than the stuff we've been getting in Avenging, which I've been griping about a little bit, the quality. Uh, and I think coming up with a story that involved all of the Avengers as a team, but starring Otto, uh, was a really good way to introduce the new team-up ongoing. So mm-hmm. I applaud the concept there. The last page didn't 
bowed at all well, but it was only a one-page tease, so doesn't really bring the grade down too much for me. Yeah. Um, hey, Brad. I, oh, it's yes, still the it, next issue. <laughs> what, are the, what, what are the sales been like on the uh, on on Superior, on the main title? Uh, hasn't it, hasn't it had like a little bit of resurgence with with Spock. Uh, haven't things me... gone up a little bit? It, it, because yeah, it seems be fair, like I'd as, that. as a reader, um, quality has actually gone up too. I've as much as I disagree yeah. with decisions right <laughs> and left. Uh, Superior has been a fairly enjoyable read. Superior Spider-Man 14 sold 80,839 to the direct market. Uh, If you compare it to July of last year... um, That's probably over 30,000 higher. Wow. Uh, A year ago, it was sold 59,000. Wow. 14 is also a big hyped issue. Yeah. But, you know, it it says a lot. Sales are up 35% from last year, up 42% in the last two years. up 44% over the last three years, up 11% over four years, and up 17% over the last five it years. It says a lot that the only way people, or that editorial, could figure out to turn the sales around on, on the title that, that Slot was writing was to remove the main character. <laughs> who well, who people this. have been saying um, hasn't been written the way he should be written. I will give them this. Um, Slot is a writer that works for... Marvel, um, because he he's delivering constant event storytelling. He's yeah. got all the time. I've mentioned this before. <laughs> he's got never ending moments that will quote unquote change it forever. Um, never ending. You must pick up this issues, um, and he's he's doing actually really well at doing stuff that lends itself to hype, and it is translating into sales. So you got to give credit for that. And yeah, as a reader, I am getting. Again, I disagree with a lot of decisions, but I'm getting stories and writing that are entertaining me a lot more than what I was getting, and also uh, more uh, more good art um, because they added they made their rotating team Stegman, Kamankoli, and Ramos. I'm still no fan of Ramos, but Kamankoli's stuff has come a long way. I think it's a lot better than it was, and Stegman's stuff is mostly great. And you've got him bringing in Spider-Man 2099, which is you know, even if I hadn't been reading the past 50 issues of anything, I would be coming in to see the Spider-Man 2099 appearance. But so what you're saying is you're finally getting stories that you like, and to do that, they had to remove the central character that's been mishandled for years. You see what I'm getting at? The I, only I, way I they could turn it around. At, and I absolutely, you know, on many levels, <laughs> I agree with you, but I also don't. I can't see that as a good way to insult them, if that makes sense, because I love the Clone Saga, and that had Ben Riley instead of Peter Parker. And frankly, I see this whole thing Slot's been doing as his version of Grant Morrison's Batman epic, where his Peter Parker Amazing Spider-Man stories were Grant Morrison's Batman run. He did his R.I.P., now with uh, Superior, we're having the Dick Grayson Batman era, which was mostly really good at DC. And I think eventually we're going to get the Spider-Man Incorporated era. I'm just saying I, th- I think it speaks to years of misdirection on the central character. Yeah, I, but I would also... I hesitate to fault them for doing something that we were kind of asking them to do. We weren't asking them to do this, but we kept saying <laughs> that the uh, the character of Peter Parker had been mishandled. We did not like what we was being doing with him. We did not like what was being done with him. We did not like what was being done with him. And now we can't say that anymore. 
Now, okay, so that's fine. And here's the thing. <laughs> we all know he's coming back. Well, so yeah. this may be the way Slot chose to fix things, because we don't know in what ways it's going to be different when Peter Parker comes back. So this well, here's, here's could the thing, end though. up being a solution. Do you trust that current team, Slot and Wacker, to get the character right after they screwed it up for so many years? And, and this is kind of an admission of that. Not really. I, I think this uh, is a quiet admission of that. I don't think it's an admission at all, because, again, I, I go back to Grant Morrison on Batman. Grant Morrison hadn't mishandled Bruce Wayne, but he still did a couple of years of Dick Grayson as Batman that were good. Uh, I've got the sales. Good debate, you two, by the way. Uh, <laughs> superior. I rebuttal was like, yeah, this is it's kind of like a political debate. This is what happens uh, superior, to me and GB together. It's fun. I, I like it. Superior uh, Spider-Man team up number one uh, debuted with seventy six thousand nine hundred fifty nine uh, issues to the direct market. Compare that to a year ago, it's up one hundred eighty seven percent. Avenging Spider-Man number nine sold thirty seven thousand. My, my thing is, is that after all this. Dr. Octopus crap is over, right? I'm sorry, I don't, I don't mean to say crap and like it's crap. I mean crap like all the Dr. Octopus stuff. I, I, I yeah, we get you. We get you. All, all the Dr. Octopus stuff. All this, after all this is over, it's going to go back to the same people, to the same guy who, who the sales sucked under. But tell you what, if absolutely nothing else, Otto Octavius comes out the other end of the story a much more interesting character than he ever was to me before. Well, how, how does he come out? Does he get? A, how does he going to get a new body? I mean, he's got to get a new body. Because he's it's gotta... the Marvel Universe. How do you get a new body the last time he died? That's true. They grow. You go down the Seven Eleven <laughs> in the Marvel Universe. <laughs> Professor Xavier has a shop. He's on body number three. I'm going to tell be... you the freaking jackal is appearing in the sister title all the time. Yeah, yeah. He can grow. <laughs> he can grow a fat guy with a green. <laughs> hey, give me a fat guy with a green suit. Stay yeah. sta- staff, yeah, I'm, please. I'm never worried about how a character or their body is going to come back in a, in the Marvel universe. It's just going to happen. I'm just I I don't think that Dan that Dan Slott and the voice he has for Spider Man once once it comes back. I mean, you're going to have to have a completely different overhaul to sustain the kind of numbers. And honestly, I don't think it's going to happen. I think it's going to gradually fall back to where it was. And it, you know, I mean, sure it was. For a Spider-Man title, it should it should be at this level right now that it's selling at. Yeah, I think um, um, it would. I don't, be a, and other people have suggested this, but I think it would be a really good time when Slot does end the Superior Era, um, for him to kind of step not not for him to step aside, but to step to the side a little bit. Maybe if you give Slot a satellite title. You know, the fact that he's writing it gives it a high enough profile that they don't have to worry about it being a satellite title that nobody cares about. And then you give somebody else kind of the main reins of Amazing Spider-Man for a while, and that could really work. It uh, makes I me wonder. It, it makes me wonder if Bendis is not going to take Spider-Man over after this whole Galactus thing. Yeah. You mean after after he's done with the Avenger, uh, yes. X-Men? I mean? Yes. It, yeah. If Ultimate Spider-Man comes to close, I'll, it makes me wonder if Bendis isn't just going to write the main title. I'm game. I'd be fine with I'm that, game. although I feel like Bendis has said he's not really interested before. Well, yeah, but I mean, he's already he already writes half of Marvel's books right now, so true, true. Anyway, what else we got, um, Kev? Yeah, we still we've got. Um, I'm going to combine Superior Spider-Man Kev. Team Up Number Two and Scarlet Spider Number Twenty because they are uh, the sibling rivalry crossover. They're part one and two. They were released on the same day, and they're written by the same guy. So Kev. this is this is pretty much one thing. Um, so our story here, Kane, having been in New York for a few issues in the Wrath arc, finally visits Otto, who remembers Kane killing him and doesn't appreciate it. He attacks 
Kane immediately. And um, here's the problem with the whole story arc. Kane, for some reason, can't figure out that this isn't Peter, even when Otto refers to Peter as him. But that doesn't really matter for long when mutant-powered spider clones attack, and the two have to team up to beat them. But they're brought down by gun-toting Gwyn and Miles clones. Miles, um... (laughs) Miles Warren, not Miles Miles Warren. Warren. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, So, the Jackal has the Spider-Man hostage. I can barely get through this rundown, honestly. Um, And he's Mm. already taken some samples of them for later, if if you get my drift. Uh, Because his plan hasn't changed since 1975. (laughs) (laughs) Well, when you went for a pony, you can't switch. (laughs) Um, So the two of them break out, of course, even though they're in bonds that were blah, 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 made for their exact strength level, blah, 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 and they're (laughs) still broken. Um, They have to fight through mutant-powered spider clones again, because that's just what you do when you're near the jackal. Um, Otto is offended by the idea of anyone using material from the body that he is currently body jacking. (laughs) (laughs) So he blows up the whole place, Gwen clone and all, and Kane still can't figure out that that's not Peter. So he just punches him in the face before heading back to Houston, and uh, that's all he does. And then we get two epilogues. Uh, First... Kane sees his clone degeneration scars have returned on his face. And then in a much, much, much worse epilogue, the Jackal reveals that, yes, he lost Peter's DNA samples, but he took some samples of Kane, and he announces Spider-Side 2.0. Oh, God. And that's when I totally lost my shit. <laughs> that's when you dropped it, and you were like, I'm out. I'm done, dog. <laughs> Uh, that's when you drop the mic and, and yeah. freaking because you cannot go any more bad 90s than that. You have hit the point. Uh, this whole thing gets a D from me, which is just, I'm so sorry to say. Um, there's some really pretty art. The first one has Marco Ticetto, which if you're familiar with his art, uh, he's been doing Avenging for a little while. Uh, he does a very good job. The second one is this guy named Inhayak Lee. I think is um, it's, this is the best pronunciation I've got, uh, but it's some really pretty looking painted art. Um, uh, the, the, I mean, the textures of this stuff, the costumes look incredibly real, and it's a totally different art style, but it's pretty freaking cool. Um, so, so that brings the grade up a little bit. But um, And there was the beginning, the very beginning of a good story at the beginning of part one, when Kane just sort of drops in on Otto, and it's like, aw hell, shit's going down. And <laughs> they drop it. Honestly, this would have been a much more interesting two-part story without the Jackal altogether. If it was just those two guys meeting and fighting it out, and if there had been any logic applied. Um, but instead, it goes completely off the rails, and it reads like Maximum Clonage 2013. It's like oh. it's all the bad parts of the Clone Saga chewed up and spit out and topped off with a tease of the return of the actual worst part of the Clone Saga. Just, just spider, uh, spider side, yeah. The Gwen, spider thing side. Makes me, the Gwen thing makes me wonder if they're not seeding that for uh, the next big thing after Doc is to bring uh, Gwen back. Well, it's not going to be this clone because he blew her up. No, I, I just bet 
you know she's out there somewhere, and there's going to be some big reveal, and that'll be the next big thing. That'll be the next. Maybe that's the next big gimmick that they have to have to get, try to get people to read it. Well, that'll suck. <laughs> that's awesome. So that's too bad. I mean, what what do you want? That that's the one of the closest trips back to the Clone Saga. What what do you want? Trip back to the wrong freaking part of the Clone Saga. Yeah, I know, I know. They went to the right neighborhood and visited the bad street. (laughs) 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 Oh God, that's awesome. Oh, you're gonna kill me. Need to understand that. That's awesome. Clamoring, f- you know, people being Clone Saga fans and wanting more of that kind of thing does not mean we enjoyed maximum clonage. Nobody yeah. enjoyed maximum clonage. Leave it the fuck alone. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> and he's. He, <laughs> wow. All right. All right. I so you love this one, huh? <laughs> I what podcast I'm on, and I'll bring the language there, Brad. Sorry. Yeah. Well, dude, you you felt strongly. I, I applaud you. I did. Um, still do. That sounds like it was a necessary f bomb. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think you've gotten these issues in the mail yet, have you, Brad? Uh, no, I have. Oh, yeah. No. When when you read them, you'll get it. <laughs> okay. You'll get it. My UPS box is uh, planning to arrive tomorrow, so I'll, I can smell it afar, evidently. <laughs> so, so basically, I'm just sitting here spoiling a lot of stories for you tonight that you're going to get some. It's all right. It's all right. It's all right. Okay, uh, so here's another one that uh, I'm going to completely spoil for you. Uh, Scarlet Spider number 21, which okay. is the third and final issue of Scarlet Spider released this month. This one just came out yesterday. Uh, this was a highly anticipated issue of Scarlet Spider because it has... The hoodie Scarlet Spider on the cover. So everybody's been wondering, is Ben Riley coming back? And if they're really, really gullible, they might have thought he was. Get ready, George. (laughs) Well, Um, hang on here. Hang on. Without Kevin even talking about this, without without Kevin spoiling it, I can already guarantee you that it's not Ben Riley. Because all they've... all they've ever done is tease people with that. And people get excited. People get excited. People get excited. Oh, and then they get let down. They've, how many times have they done it now? Like even in the last five years, like twice, two or three times. For the first time in years, someone actually wearing the Scarlet Spider hoodie costume. Right. <laughs> George, didn't we date a high girl like that in high school where you got excited, got excited, got excited, no payoff? <laughs> yes, yes, that was all wait, of high wait. school. <laughs> I think, Kevin, you, you've been out with that girl, haven't you? Yeah. We all have, haven't we? <laughs> yeah. yeah, she's I didn't the get... only one that'll call me. <laughs> anyway, um, let's talk about some Scarlet Spider. Um, and this one... Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, so yeah, last issue ended with an epilogue of Kane's clone degeneration scars returning, so he's all distraught. Uh, my new lease on life is over, I'm going to die, blah, blah, blah. Goes out a window... And then falls. Um, because, well, stuff's wrong. And then he gets punched <laughs> in the face by the original Scarlet Spider. That's right, everybody. The hoodie. Um, no. And that's just the first thing that goes wrong. As those two continue to fight and argue throughout the issue, Kane's entire supporting cast, Donald Meelan, Wally Layton, Annabelle Adams, and Arasley, are all attacked. Um, and each subsequent scene gets clearer and clearer. At first, it's just... Uh, kind of a threatening suggestion at the end of the scene, uh, then a little more, then in the third one you see a knife in the shadow, and then in the fourth one you actually see Anna Craven. Um, 
So when Kane in this battle of his starts hallucinating Spider-Man and the Jackal, it becomes apparent that he's been drugged. <laughs> and it turns out that, yes, uh, in the airport last issue when he thought he was hit or uh, stung by a mosquito, he was actually hit with one of Craven's poison darts. The Scarlet Spider is not Ben Riley, but Craven himself. You know, so, because, yeah, because I often... I often I often confuse getting hit with a blow dart by getting bit by a mosquito. <laughs> well, I mean, let's give Craven a little bit of credit. He's been doing this for a lot of years, and I'm sure he can make one that's pretty small. Is um, Anna is Anna the wife or Skittles the the penny hooker, the daughter? Skittles the penny hooker. <laughs> okay. Right. Um, although she has moved way on from that look, which is nice. Uh, made it a little <laughs> bit harder to realize it was her if you didn't already know at first, but. But still, I'm, I'm glad she's she's not Skinnel's the pity hooker anymore. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, but I I do think it's pretty damn funny that we now have uh, Craven wearing a hoodie in continuity. That's yeah, that's unexpected. A first. That's, a, that's a twist. It's just, um, it's just another one in a string of losses. <laughs> I'm actually giving this issue an A. Um, and I tell you what, whoa, what a, what a left turn this is! Wow. <laughs> I really didn't think you were going there. All right. The issue's taking a lot of flack. Um, and the reason it's taking a lot of flack is because of the marketing department. It's not because taking it any bees. flack because of the story. The story was great. The marketing department pretty much screwed this issue. Um, and that's why, you know, Zach Joyner, our friend Spidey dude, texted me before I got the issue saying, man, that was a letdown. <laughs> because I think he allowed himself to believe. You know, you've had a couple months of hype of, ooh, is Ben Riley coming back? You have on the cover it, where usually it says over the Scarlet Spider title, um, all of the power, none of the responsibility. It has said that for all of the issues before this, but this time it says, because you demanded it, Ben Riley, the original, dot, 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 Scarlet Spider. Um, so basically the marketing department has been screwing with you, and the issue is taking the heat for that. The issue was good, taken on its own. This is actually a really good Craven screwing with Kane story. Um, what I really liked was uh, the sense of threat and the sense of dread and the, the drama in this issue. Um, because as they are building those, uh, those scenes with the supporting cast being attacked, and as they're building the fight between the two Scarlet Spiders, building towards the reveal of Craven at the end, uh, it evokes Craven's last hunt in certain ways, and in good ways. And, uh, yeah, I, I love that Craven is absolutely pulling no punches at screwing with this guy. I mean, he is taking it to Kane in such a way that he should be dead by Kane's hand by the end of this <laughs> arc, even though we know he won't be. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, as I've said earlier, the Scarlet Spider title has been really bad at ending arcs lately, so I hope that's not the case here, but this one is definitely starting damn good. When you, when cool. you say marketing department, that's Whacker. You know, I'm not going to pretend to know who it is. Um, they're, a company like Marvel has marketing people. They have editors. Sometimes the writers write the solicitation copy. Sometimes the editors do. <clears throat> I don't know who did any of this. It might have been a couple of people. It might have been one person. I've just decided that I'm not going to lay that at the feet of this story because I liked this story. <laughs> and it's not its fault that people have been trying to hype up, ooh, maybe Ben Riley's back. Yeah. Either way, I mean, fans of Ben Riley should have just known. Yeah, I knew. They should have just known. Uh, I knew that it wasn't going to happen, and then um, a 
a poster named I, I'm not really sure how to say his name. It's like Slavonurius or something. It's literally wow. it starts with S T H, so it's almost impossible to pronounce. Um, <laughs> but he pointed out in my last wow. review um, that you know there was that little moment that you barely notice with Kane thinking he got stung by a mosquito, and he said, "Oh, I bet the." Clone Degeneration scars aren't back, and that was a dart from Craven, who we've already seen the solicitations. And as soon as I saw him say that, I was like, oh crap, you're right, and that's definitely the explanation for Ben Riley too. And then in this issue, it turns out that's exactly what it was. The Clone Degeneration is not back, and neither is Ben Riley. It was all this uh, dart of Craven's. Mm. And your, your review on the front page is blown up, by the way. Yeah, I feel like people were actually really clamoring for any information about that issue, because I noticed... Before I even finished and posted the review, the two news stories that you had posted from a couple of months ago about uh, when they were releasing, like, Is Ben Riley Coming Back, had all of a sudden jumped back into the top ten most popular articles. Oh, really? And, I didn't notice that. Yeah, and then the second I posted the review, it shot up to number one of the most popular articles. So it's like, I, and, and, and you, you uh, were ha- quite happy that you were more popular than the very attractive gal dressed in Spider-Man pe- body yep, paint. Nobody can <laughs> top the girl until Ben Riley. Yeah. Girl. Kevin's re- oh, my God. <laughs> Juju Salameni, I think that's your name, from the, from the YouTube Lord, video. Mean, but I agree with him. Oh, <laughs> Lord. It's got to be jelly because jam don't shake like that. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> all right. I mean, oh. Mercy. Oh. Mercy. Jiggles, get in here and take a memo. Uh, jiggles. <laughs> here, here. this is put in comparison. Uh, I have a little a- uh, app underneath each post now where you can like it on Facebook. And the girl with the body paint of Spider-Man got two likes. Kevin's review above got 35 likes on Facebook. So you uh, 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 unbelievable. What the hell does that say? Uh, you know, and honestly, even if the last uh, crossover issue was crap, I think they're doing a good job of generating interest in this title because these past two issues of Scarlet Spider have very quickly gotten more comments than any review I ever post ever gets. <laughs> people are talking about this stuff. Well, people people fell for the they fell for the misdirection. By the way, clone clone fans, Ben Riley fans, he's not coming back. <laughs> he's yeah. he's not. And the next time that Marvel, you know, screws with you, just know it. He's not coming back. The the uh, the the wording above the uh, the title because you demanded it, comma Ben Riley of the original Scarlet Spider, which is on the cover. <clears throat> if he does ever come back, it, <clears throat> it won't be by anybody at Marvel right now. <laughs> yeah, the only title where that actually happens is Spider-Man Crawl Space. Um, <laughs> moving on to, hey, there's still three issues, but only one more review, because I combined the suckers. Um, Venom! That's something worse, um, but changed it to suckers at the last minute. Uh, this is Venom number 37 to 39. I'm combining them all into one review because I bought them all yesterday and read them in one sitting. So it just made sense to me. Uh, This is when I decided to go ahead and catch up with the title because it's getting canceled. So, 37 to 39, the past three issues of Venom. What happens is, uh, Venom's hunting Lord Ogre, which is a name that I hate, and (laughs) Lord Ogre puts a bounty on Venom, and it's pretty effective. Mercenaries pretty much come out of the woodwork, including Jack-O-Lantern, the old foe that's been going through this title for a long time. Um, he tracks down Flash's apartment and is waiting inside when Andy, the girl from Flash's school, who saw him use the symbiote like one or two issues ago, 
uh, knocks on Flash's door to talk to him about the whole knowing he's Venom thing. So that's a big surprise, obviously. And Jack follows Andy back to her apartment, where Venom crashes in and intervenes, but Jack still manages to kill Andy's dad. And then uh, Jack releases poison gas into the air to kill pretty much Andy, because everybody else is protected. So Flash extends a bit of the symbiote over her mouth to filter the air, but the symbiote acts on its own and covers her whole body, basically spawning a new one, even though I don't think this is actually... It doesn't seem to actually be a new symbiote like Carnage or Toxin. It seems to be somehow an extension of the symbiote that is completely covering two different people. However that works. Um, So, uh, then when she tries to kill Jack, it's revealed that he isn't the actual jack-o'-lantern, but someone whose mind was overwritten by one of Jack's little dolls. And Flash and Andy chase him down, and Flash just barely convinces Andy not to kill him. Um, The guy ends up brain-dead, though, uh, because Jack's mind control just quits, and it just leaves him with... Nothing in his head. Uh, Andy, in the end, moves in with her aunt and is keeping in touch with Flash, but we see she is not abiding by his request to not use her symbiote, and frankly, what teenager would? Um, so yeah, that is actually three issues worth. I condensed that down pretty far. Um, yeah. I'm going to shock the crap out of you. And- <laughs> oh no. I'm gonna He's going to give it a D. I'm going to give it a B. You're going to give it a B? Are you kidding me? I'm giving this a B. Um, I'm impressed you liked it. And you I haven't will, read it, but yeah. you you can both vouch in the uh, the thread on in our little admin form of the message board where we were talking about scheduling <laughs> this thing. Um, I said I was going to combine these into three, and what I said was they're probably all going to get an F anyway. Yeah, you did. You did yeah. yeah, you did say that. Yeah, it turns out they get a B. <laughs> um, I'm pretty surprised to find myself actually enjoying this. Um, the, the first issue of these three would have gotten a lower grade by itself. Uh, it wasn't as good. But as a whole, this was a pretty interesting story. And I'm even kind of digging the sort of sketchy, stylized art. Uh, it, it was initially... It initially really turned me off. Um, but it's different. It's kind of interesting. And it's an identity for this book. Uh, it also, once the symbiote stuff occurs... It's, it's, it's got sort of a sketchy quality, like I said, so I expected it to be kind of confusing and muddy, like, oh, let's say Chris Pachalo. Um But it's actually <laughs> easy to follow in the action, and it, it renders that stuff quite well. So mm. I actually am even sort of digging that after three issues in a row of it. And for the first time in a long time, <clears throat> I'm interested in what happens next in this book. Is that still, oh. is that still Remender? Uh, no, no, no. Not, Cullen Bunn. Yes, Cullen this, Bunn, okay. Number 37 to 39, yeah. Cullen Bunn took over at number 23. Okay, so he's God almighty. Lord Ogre's a terrible name. That sounds like it, something from Axe Cop. It really is. And the only thing that I can, like, imagine uh, for a person that that name would fit would be, like, Ultimate Green Goblin. Um, but this guy seems to be just a dude. Hmm. So I'm not really sure where the hell the name Lord Ogre comes from. As soon as as soon as you said he goes to Flash's apartment and is waiting for Flash when Flash gets home, I was like, oh, please don't let the next sentence be, and then Flash finds Betty in the fridge. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't seen Bun hasn't touched Betty. That sounds bad. But uh, <laughs> no, we haven't seen Bun since Remender left. The numbers. Let me give you the numbers for Venom. Number thirty-seven sold at twenty thousand eight hundred twenty-two oh, copies. Uh, the next issue, number thirty-eight, sold twenty thousand three hundred twenty-five copies. For the year, uh, compare that to a year ago, July of twenty twelve. It sold twenty-six thousand copies. Mm. 
for the year, it's down 24%. Mm. And it's canceled uh, and it with canceled. 42. But I'm interested yeah. to see if they're going to actually do anything with uh, Venom after the cancellation of this, because the cancellation comes pretty close to the Superior Spider-Man story that has Venom in it. Um, so I'm wondering if, A, they're going to do something else with Flash Venom somewhere else, or B, Flash is not going to be Venom anymore after whatever happens in the Superior Spider-Man How, how can he not be? I mean, the car- this is... These, oh, my Lord. For, uh, that's almost four years' worth of stories. Isn't it? Yeah. I mean, that's almost four years' worth of stories. When has Venom ever had that kind of an awesome run just on his solo thing himself? Even his original... He hasn't. Yeah. How can Flash not be Venom now? I mean, well, he, he's... Rock not be Venom now. He, he just isn't. Yeah, but here's the thing. I think, I think Flash's Venom is more popular. I think he, he's more popular, obviously, when, when he's handled better. Uh, yeah, but I, don't I, mean, know. I don't think 20,000 copies is that popular. No, it's not, but, I mean, but it's almost four years. Kevin, 46 issues. Well, and but you know, look at the '90s, and he had a miniseries every month. Add those up. I don't know how long that run goes up to, but it's certainly more than people think it is. Yeah, but that's a miniseries, and that was the '90s. Yes, but he had an ongoing series of minis. He basically had because <laughs> he had an issue that's out. True. There was, yeah, that's true. That's right. It is true. That's right. That's true. Yeah. It was like from it was what from '93, I think, is when Lethal Protector came. But, I mean, out. seriously though, for the first yeah. time. What's sad is that uh, we seem to be in a culture of, at, at Marvel, and I don't really blame them because they're, they're a business. They need sales. I totally get that. Um, but what's sad is we're in a place where uh, when a writer is, let's say, bad and driving a book into, let's say, the ground, um, like Morbius and Venom, instead of trying a different writer, we're just canceling the books. Um, because Venom was actually both popular and well-reviewed when Rick Remender was doing the book. And then Cullen Bunn took over, and frankly, he's just not the writer that Rick Remender was. He's not uh, a very seasoned writer, and I don't think his take on this book has been very good. And rather than try another writer on a book that clearly worked before, we're just canceling it. And I think that might be a bit of a waste. Yeah, but when you get down to 20,000... Yeah, no, like I said, I, I don't hold it against them because it's a business. It's not selling. They need to do something. I, I don't, I don't think you turn that around. Sh- I'm not saying yeah. that they should have made a different decision as the business they are. I'm just saying I wish it could be different. Yeah, no. I'd- yeah, I agree. I agree. I mean, I, you know, even I, running Marvel, would not have, you know, given the Morbius book a longer chance because that some bitch has tanked. <laughs> better things with the book hell yes but the people aren't there to give that writer a chance anymore and so it had to be cancelled but just as a reader I wish it could be different I agree as someone who hates Venom and I've said this before I've never liked the character since his first well his first initial appearance was good but after that you know he just became brains 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 I, I, I lost all interest in the character but I, I, I still, I'm shocked that it went that long. Yeah. So, I mean... Yeah, yeah I'm actually I, really surprised it went that long, too, and that's why I was... I mean, I dropped it because I assumed it just wasn't going to end and I wasn't enjoying it. And I, and people were talking about cancellation, and I was like, look how long it's gone already not being very good. So <laughs> I was quite surprised when it actually ended up getting canceled right now. But, again, it is telling that 
there are three titles in the Spider-Man family right now that don't have the word superior on them. They are Morbius, canceled. Venom, canceled. Scarlet Spider, looks like it might get canceled. So gimmick so, is, is, is driving it. The gimmick, the gimmick of Spock is driving That, and I wonder title. if any of these might be relaunched with another word in the title and a slightly different concept. Uh, superior spider... T- Satellites. Uh, are we gonna are we gonna get an ultimate superior Spider Man? Let's face it, could could Spider Man twenty ninety nine stay around for a while and become the superior Scarlet Spider? I don't know. If they but were smart, they would just bring Spider Man twenty ninety nine in and let him stay a while as Spider Man twenty ninety nine. If they were really smart, they would do that and have Peter David write it. Because my yes. God, if Peter David wrote a Spider Man twenty ninety nine right now, that would get me back into the damn comic book store. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. And frankly, Peter David is ending X-Factor and has a secret project that he hasn't been talking about. And if it is Spider-Man 2099 like it should be, I will about yep. wet myself. I would, I, would, I would go there in a heartbeat. That was one of Me the too. best damn things from the 90s. I'll give you that, boys. I agree. Uh, that, the, that was 14 books, wasn't it, Kevin? That was 14 books, my friend. So I am <laughs> done. Um, <laughs> That was 14. I'm going to do number 15. We went, okay? we went a little long there, Brad. Well, no shit. <laughs> <laughs> we thought we were going to get that done. What, you wanted us to get that done in half an hour? I, yeah, yeah. at the beginning, before we started, I'm like, all right, Kevin, you got 30 minutes. George, you got 30 minutes. We're now at an hour 24. It'll be, it'll, it'll be easier to do this in the future because half the shit that Kevin just reviewed is getting canceled. Half of it's getting canceled. Usually I don't do two months at a time. <laughs> Uh, It'll go by a lot faster in the future. Oh shit, yeah. Kevin! Yeah, what's your one book, next, Kev? What's your one book? Like yeah. Four books. Yeah. <laughs> Superior Carnage number one is the one I'm going to tackle. Uh, Kevin has, wasn't able to pick this one up. Yes, uh, it, it's actually Kevin our refused right. to pick that one up. He refused. Uh, he refused to pick it up. He was correct. like, "No, uh, yeah, you, you have to lie too far." Douglas, I, I, I can't do it. No, honestly, yeah. when, I was, when I decided that I was going to go ahead and pick up Venom, I was at the comic shop yesterday, I was like, well, maybe I should go ahead and just do Superior Carnage 2. And my comic shop didn't have any of it because they just ah. didn't order much. So, like, this is not a book I'm going to chase around the city for. Brad, you take it. Uh, the, the series written by Kevin Schnicked, which I, I have Kevin, no idea. I believe it's Kevin Schinnick. Oh, What's his I, name? I, I, Wolverine's I, Claws? That's yeah, his last name? I, I thought that's what it was. Nick. It was Schnicked. Yeah, uh, art by Steven Segovia. Uh, it starts out, with, it t- picks up where, what was it, Carnage USA? Was that the last one, Kevin? Uh, no, it was Minimum Carnage, unfortunately. Minimum Carnage, that's right. And basically, Eddie Brock is, uh, he doesn't have a brain, he's lobotomized. The brain's not. <laughs> I think you mean Cletus Cassidy. What, what did I say? Yeah, you said Eddie, Eddie Brock. Brock. Well, he's not in a good shape either. Uh, this <laughs> I don't re- do Brad satellites. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, so anyway, us here. Cletus Cassidy, no brain in the cabeza, uh, and so they decide to take him to what looks like the raft. Only it's not the raft. the The caption is an undisclosed containment facility. I thought he was torn apart by Sentry, and that was he. Just, he was dead. Uh, he, oh, got, that he, was, got that he got better. He got better. He got better. Just like Captain America got better. Yes. Uh, <laughs> We start, we're introduced uh, to a character called Ted Connolly, and he, he talks about how uh, you've never heard of him because uh, he didn't try to destroy the world. He simply did uh, insider trading. So the government is trying to save money by putting regular Joes into essentially the raft. 
and they just say, hey, Ted, you're going to share a cell with the man bull. Now, the man bull... <laughs> oh, that doesn't uh, sound like a good cellmate. <laughs> Why can't I have they're, Molecule Man? Why does it have to be Man Bull? Honest to God, prisoners in the real world right now that make their cellmate call them Man Bull. Yeah. <laughs> not, not his brother Red Bull, but Mr. Man Bull. I would prefer the Red Bull to the Man Bull. <laughs> Mr. Man Bull first appeared in Daredevil 78, July of 71, written by, or created by Jerry Conway. Yeah. So there are, is a Spider-Man connection to Mr. Manbull. Uh, and so, so, so poor insider trading Ted is, is, uh, gets shoved into his cell, and Manbull just has a tight, close shot of him just snarling and like, bitch, you're mine. And, he says, uh, bitch, you're mine? Oh, no, but the look on his face. <laughs> bitch, you're mine. Uh, anyway, then cut to uh, Eddie Brock, I'm sorry, uh, Flash Thompson as Venom. Uh, uh, escorting Cletus Cassidy into this new prison. And, and Cletus just has a big smile on his face like, zoop-a-doo-to-doo, I have no brain. <laughs> and, <laughs> exactly, when you when you're, the brain doesn't work. And uh, all of a sudden, the guard that is escorting uh, Flash Venom, uh, his eyes turn blue and hits a couple buttons and... Boom! The symbiote comes out, and Carnage uh, starts going all over his face. <laughs> that sounds bad, and starts slaughtering people in the sl- in the cell. Uh, poor Insider Ted. He said, "Oh God!" As if Manbull wasn't enough, this red thing is sleeping in through the ventilation gates, and he literally cut to a shot of him pissing himself. There's there's a stream. Of water or piss right by his feet. Oh, his pants are wet, and and uh, Carnage looks at him and goes hiss. <laughs> as, as Ted goes piss, <laughs> and then uh, 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 Venom. I mean, sorry, I get the symbiotes confused. Uh, literally chop. You, po- huh? you need a yeah. you need a spreadsheet to keep up with all the goddamn symbiotes. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> So uh, poor Ted gets slaughtered to death. He's chopped up more than a uh, stir-fry restaurant doing, uh, I don't have an analogy, fuck it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Way to follow through there, Brad. Way not to, you know, I'm, I'm glad you didn't give up there. Then uh, cut to the wizard, the fantastic... <laughs> uh, did we already have one of those? Yeah. <laughs> the, the wizard, no, oh, I get it. <laughs> The wizard, not to be confused with Ted, the insider trader. He's a wizard. I'm sorry, my bad. No, Zerd from the frightful four. Yeah, I know. From the... I know. Uh, he was like, uh, and he quote, and the wizard is no stranger to mind control. So he's he's controlling a whole bunch of people inside the prison. His powers are and... gravity control, by the way, but that's all right. So him and his son, who we met in the FF uh, title, are are going in after. Uh, the Carnage symbiote. And he kills a few villains, and he's like, Cletus Cassidy, I am the wizard, and while your strength may be massive, your mind is now mine. And so Carnage rushes him. He goes a little closer, a little closer. Good God, your brain is gone! And uh, Carnage just beats the shit out of the wizard. There's a caption where the wizard goes, Oh, heaven help me. And he falls to the ground. And he says, you don't understand the Frightful Four. You were my secret weapon, and you were my master plan. And then you hear Carnage. 
And then the suit is stripped off of Cletus Cassidy. He's in great pain, and due to a, then you cut to a full one-page shot of Claw. And the wizard goes, you weren't my first recruit. So the sound effect, the sound power of Claw stripped the, uh, the symbiote from Cletus Cassidy's body. And he's laying in a ground, on the ground. Can I ask a question, so, Brad? It, yes, sir. That was the last page. What, uh... When he's laying there without the symbiote, what do his legs look like? <laughs> oh, they're they're conveniently out of frame. <laughs> oh yeah, the the midsection where he's allegedly sewn together is not uh, he's, visible at all. Because he's supposed to have robotic legs, but I feel like they've been dropping the ball on that recently. Oh, I do see a foot on the two page spread. They do not look robotic. They look like regular. We're legs. having we're having limb check. I can't believe it. Yeah, earlier in the review we had piss check. Well, I mean, yeah. we've we've oddly come to a point where both Venom and Carnage are legless, so it's kind of an important detail. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> I, I would give it a B. I didn't mind it. Uh, I, I, I'm interested in what the plot is of the Frightful Four. Um, strangely enough, Carnage is more interesting to me without a mind. <laughs> gotta admit, man, your rundown, your rundown does not make me wish I picked it up, and I'm kind of surprised to hear the B. The the no, Brad will give it a, like, he'll give it a B just based on the damn cover. Listen here, you, B stands for bastard, George. Yeah. <laughs> good enough for me. Uh, <laughs> no, the art really good. Uh, I I like the uh, the the intro to the story through Insider Trade Ted. I, I I don't know why I liked it. I don't know why I liked him pissed himself, and I I don't know why I liked. You get sent into a cell with Manbull. I'm like, damn! I'm never insider trading again. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I mean, it, it was. It, I liked it better than Carnage USA, and I liked it better than Carnage, or Minimum Carnage. Well, so, better than Minimum Carnage. For a really, really low bar. Yeah, I, a D's and F's out of those two, but this one B. I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued enough to want to pick up the next issue. Just because you want to, you want to see if somebody pisses himself again in the next issue, or maybe, <laughs> maybe somebody drops a deuce. <laughs> well, it would be issue number two. <laughs> oh my God! I'm not liking it though, because you're you're gonna keep doing this one. <laughs> All right. <laughs> if and Ted comes back in issue two, I haven't read that one yet. Oh. And that was 15 reviews, you listeners. Wow. <laughs> To all the listeners, new- we're sorry we waited so long to record again. Cause is damn. that a new record? Yeah. That, well, I, I don't think we've done 15 reviews ever on a usually show. Usually my Spider Satellite segment does about six books. Wow. This was 15. Wow. <laughs> yeah, and frankly, insane. 16 actually came out. It's just that Brad won't get uh, Carnage number two until tomorrow. <laughs> Thank God. Yeah, that... Yeah, no doubt. I'm glad I can be Brad. When you put this up, you need to you need to emphasize that this is a record-setting episode. Exactly, this is the most reviews ever in one episode. Yeah.